Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes have been making tons of noise, but how good can they really be? We're going to talk about that and more on today's episode of Locked on Buffs. You are Locked on Buffs, your daily podcast on the Colorado Buffaloes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? This is Locked on Buffs, your lovely Tuesday episode. I'm joined today by a special guest, good friend of the show, CBS Sports' Shehan Jayaraja. Shehan, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. No, We're glad to have you. We're going to be talking everything Colorado. Um, we're going to be talking about how good they are, Coach Prime's transfer methods, and then we're going to dive into that TCU-Colorado game week one, because I feel like there's a lot of discrepancy going on as to who's going to beat who, how close isn't going to be. Um, so without further ado, before we start, though, I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Buster first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. so make sure to check us out. Okay, first topic of the day, how good can the buffs be? Um, I was scrolling through Twitter, as one does when you're bored, and I saw an article um, discussing how they're a dark horse Pac-12 contender. But then I myself wrote an article for Athlon just a couple days ago that FanDuel has their win total odds at three and a half. What the hell, Shahan? How good are they going to be? And what is going on? <laughs> well, I think that the sort of divergent perspectives, I guess you could say, are because we've never seen something like this before. Obviously, we haven't seen it from the perspective of a team trying to flip their whole roster. And part of that is because, you know, in the past, there's been a 25 uh, limit of players who could be added. That's not the case right now. Right now, Colorado obviously has the opportunity to essentially bring in a whole new roster. And we've seen that so far. I believe they have, what, 50 commitments right now from transfers. It's unbelievable how many players are going to have coming in uh, and even more coming, of course, on the way. So, I mean, we don't have precedence for this. We don't have an example of a team that uh, that essentially tried to replace not just all its starters, but all of its depth as well with guys who have never played together before. So that's what makes them such a hard team to, to figure out in some ways. That's why some people are so excited about their upside. But, you know, certainly the upside is there for them to be, you know, a dark horse type team, a team that goes to a bowl game. But the, the potential is also there for this to not work. Well, again, we've never seen this happen before. So uh, I, I think that, you know, that three and a half number is, is probably a little low. But also you have to look at their schedule, right? Their schedule is really, really difficult this upcoming season. So, uh, I, I mean, I think that that's why you see just such this, uh, this divergent perspective on Colorado, because there's really so many different ways it could go. Yeah, and I think when you're writing about it, too, especially – people who cover the program from the national perspective where they're not like focused on one program, they have a little more leeway in terms of making a bold prediction be like, you know what? Colorado's going to really work because if they don't, they're like, Oh, well I tried. And it's like moved on because they're going to have 35 other bold predictions throughout the year. Whereas someone who's trying to make a bold prediction, like myself here, who's covering Colorado and making uh, content every day for them. I'm more a little wary about making these bold predictions because these people in the comment section will let me know how wrong I am every day. Um, they're the same people every day telling me that I'm wrong about something. Um, I do think the interesting part about the, all the transfers is the quality of transfers. Um, do they have the number one class? Yes. Is it because all of their transfers are the top players in the portal? No, they have a lot of guys who are, I would say it's a good mixture of guys who are productive, um, had some shining moments at their previous schools, but there's also guys who are reserves. Um, Savelle Small stands out, the former five-star um, for Washington. Didn't, re didn't really play there. Um, didn't really make the impact that he was thought to have. Um, they got a few backup players from the SEC. 
Um, what is your your thought on this roster construction? Uh, I know, obviously, it's interesting that there's 50 of them. Um, so you would hope that at least 25 hit. But what are you? What are your thoughts on this roster construction as it is right now? Well, I think that the biggest thing you have to say about it is that they have a chance to have a really good top 22. I, I think that they're going to have, uh, you know, a good number of their players work out. Like you mentioned, the the talent baseline is probably the thing you have to like the most about it. Obviously, bringing in players like Travis Hunter, Kwani McLean as a recruit, uh, and Shadur Sanders at quarterback, of course. These are players who are much better. I, I mean, each of these guys potentially is one of the best players to play at Colorado in the past 15 or 20 years. And you're going to have five, six of them uh, potentially guaranteed in the lineup. The question becomes when you get to number 23 through 85. I, I mean, like you said, the talent baseline is going to be there, I think, because you are talking about athletes. And, and even when guys are backups at SEC schools, that doesn't mean that they can't play elsewhere or that they can't be contributors in certain ways at different programs. I mean, sometimes, you know, I, I think one of the smartest ways to approach the portal is to look at, you know, where is there excess somewhere else and where do we have holes? So, for example, in the SEC defensive line, they have so many good and high-level uh, athletes and recruits on that side of the ball. I, I think that certainly Colorado's done a good job of trying to get some of those players to, to come in now and potentially play bigger roles at Colorado. But, again, you know, I mean, it's going to be a lot to, to ask because you talk about an offensive line group. An offensive line group hasn't played together. This is a unit that so much is built on the idea of communication uh, and chemistry with each other they only have an off season to build that because these guys don't have any familiarity with each other. So I, I think that the talent baseline and the state of the roster from that perspective is good. The other thing that I'll mention, and I've you know, run into this before with other programs that I've covered, the, uh, the single, you know, the immediate transfer rule, I think actually changes the way that transfers work in a big way because so much of the time before grad transfers were the way to go. And so you'd get guys who only have maybe one year of eligibility left or two years of eligibility left. I think that if you're smart about it, uh, and I think that Coach Prime has been smart about it, you're slotting guys into your classes differently, right? So maybe you didn't recruit a kid in the class of 2021, but you can take a transfer with the same amount of eligibility left and kind of slot them on your board that way. I think that Colorado has been really smart from that perspective. They're not getting a bunch of just old guys. They have some old guys who certainly I think will play important roles on this team. And, and the other thing that you mentioned too is that uh, you know they, they have some guys who have played for winning programs, especially who are older, right? So like they have that defensive line transfer from Michigan. I, I think that he's going to have a chance to come in and be uh, potentially somebody who's a leader on that side of the ball. So I, I think that for what they've done, I think they've done it well, and I think they've done it in a smart way. Again, we just have no no yeah. precedence for what they've done before. The roster keeps flipping. He actually left two days ago, or like three days ago. He's at Arizona now, um, but they did get like an Arkansas defensive line transfer. The the defensive line is the one I think they're focusing on the most. Um, I've talked about uh, pretty much every day on the show. The quarterbacks in the Pac-12 are the best in the in the country. Um, I don't think there's a uh, discussion there. Um, all the other conferences are kind of reloading at the moment. And so the best way to slow them down is to get to them because your secondary is probably not going to be able to cover them for 40 passes, cover the receivers for 40 passes a game. So that'd be interesting. I have put their ceiling at six to seven wins. Um, that's kind of been my how good can they be answer um, until I see them. I really don't know. Um, someone asked me to put out a two deep depth chart and i was like i don't even know the roster at the moment like i i know who's there but i don't know who's going to be there and so i don't want to do that um i just feel like there's a lot of potential here there's a potential for stars and glory and then there's a potential for a huge flame out and so we'll find out 
as the season comes on. Before we move on, if you guys are looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best protein, the best tasting protein bar ever. Wow. Built, you got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you. Built bars, built and built puffs. They taste amazing and they're healthy. Seriously, they taste so amazing. You won't think they're good for you. You got to try this. They're all covered at 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And we've been talking about going to Built.com for years, but now you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club where you can get your specialty flavors still at Built.com. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You could thank me later at Walmart. You could also go to the pharmacy section and grab a four-bar box. So go get your Built Bars and make healthier life choices. You know, it's hard to eat healthy. Um, I struggle with it. Mexican food's always calling my name. So go, go try a built bar. Um, one thing that's kind of been the topic of discussion for this whole coach prime experience is his transfer portal method. We've talked about the level of talent he's brought in. Um, but I don't think enough people, one, talk about the business aspect of college football, understand the business aspect of college football. And three, I don't think people are going to, I think, they think this is going to be like an anomaly of college football where coaches are using the transfer portal like he has. I don't think everybody's going to be using 50 players out 50 in every year, but I do think we're going to see more of people showing players the door. What do you think about all of his transfer portal experiments? No, well, and I think that one thing to mention is that obviously Colorado for good reason is going to get all this attention, but this is a big part of how USC built themselves last year as well. And certainly the difference with USC versus Colorado is that the baseline of talent is just different at USC. So you're more kind of dealing with uh, working the edges as opposed to a team that went 1-11 last year. But I do think that this is going to be a part of the process, especially uh, during this time period where we have uh, unlimited uh, amounts of additions to your roster, where we don't have a 25-man cap for adding scholarship players. So I, I do think that this is going to be somewhat of a trend, but a lot of people are going to be watching closely, right? Because I think that I think that we've reached kind of a, uh, a balancing point with the transfer portal, where at the beginning, everybody was just rushing, like, they're going to save us, they're going to, you know, the transfer portal can completely change my fortunes. And we saw some teams maybe go through that, and we've seen some limitations of it too, right? Mel Tucker at Michigan State in year one, obviously huge up. Uh, in year two, huge down. And and I think that, you know, it's going to, I think, especially at the beginning of this process, and same with Colorado, going to be a short-term fix, but they're going to see whether they can transition it into a long-term fix as well. So this is like the the feeding frenzy with the transfer portal first coming into, into kind of mainstream usage. I think it's going to settle down a little bit after this. Yeah, I think it's going to settle down. I think there's going to be rules implemented. Um, we saw, I think it was two years ago now, the Kenny Pickett fake slide um, became a rule instantly. I think there's going to be a coach prime transfer portal rule somewhere or another, whether it's you can only take in so many or – you have to retain so many players. I don't know what how they're going to form it, but I don't think that they're going college football. The NCAA is a fan of all of this uh, transaction to style moves. Um, but Coach Prime is running this like an NFL program or NFL team. Um, he told them right away that I'm bringing in my own guys. Kind of suggested that these guys leave, and then after the spring game, it was reported that he was basically telling guys, "You need to leave. You do not have a spot here." Um, which I admire the guys for committing and trying to compete, but. Um, I do think it's interesting that he kind of is using the portal in a way that no one expected. Um, I think when the portal was first enacted and the one-time transfer rule was passed, everybody's like more power to the player. Um, it kind of reminded me of the NBA when the players have all the power, if you will. And everybody's like the college athletes, they finally have all the power. They finally have say, and it's like, yes and no, because now coaches could be like, 
you need to leave. <laughs> we don't want you go transfer out somewhere else. You'll be eligible right away. Um, we'll put in a good letter of rec for you. And that's about it. But I did hear Lane Kiffin on ESPN radio. I think it was over the weekend say that he needs, or he'd prefer more transfer window regulations. Um, he just is not a fan of the ongoing and how it feels like it never ends portal stuff. Do you think there's going to be more rules implemented because of all of coach primes transfer portal escapades, if you will? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, we've already started to see it, of course. So this year was the first year where we did have these set transfer windows when players were allowed to leave their roster. Uh, you know, certainly uh, players are allowed to join rosters really at any time. But, you know, I, I do think that that did help the process a little bit. It meant that during those periods, it was overwhelming, but at least you could get through spring camp without necessarily players just quitting on a certain day, right? We saw that at times where a player would enter the transfer portal in October or something like that and basically burn a year of their own eligibility to have a chance to, to potentially lead the program. So I do think that we're going to see more regulation. I think that a transfer window, uh, obviously, we've already seen instituted as part of it. Um, I, I do think that another part of it, too, is, again, People are going to be watching, especially during the second transfer window. Obviously, Colorado pushed so many guys out and feels like they can get so many guys back in. Well, you know, this, this second transfer window is a little bit more of slim pickings because most of the guys who were maybe impact guys looking for a different kind of role left in December. Now, obviously, we're kind of looking at guys who maybe lost position battles, for example, entering mm -hmm. the portal and a couple of exceptions. That, but uh, but I do think that um, we, we will see more regulation. I think that the NCAA is going to be keeping a close eye on this. And one thing I'm going to actually be very curious about, and who knows in two or three years whether this is even relevant anymore, but you know, academic progress rate is such a big part of uh, of how the NCAA governs football programs. And, you know, when you don't have a passing APR, it impacts, uh, you know, you can have scholarship productions, you can have penalties. Uh, certainly, you know, it can impact whether you have access to bowl eligibility as well. I don't know exactly how Colorado is going to manage the academic side of this. It sounds a little bit arcane at this point, but it is a legitimate part of the process. Uh, certainly, though, you look back at Jackson State, what, what uh, Coach Prime did over there. And I think that the other part of this, too, and maybe we can talk about this more in a second, they've got an unbelievable staff. I, I think that they really have some professionals on this staff who know how to manage these parts of things. But, you know, it's easy to talk about just the roster like it is the NFL. but man, you got to deal with the financial aid forums. You got to deal with university stuff. You got to deal with academics. It's a lot. And I would, I do not envy coach prime for having to deal with all these factors all at the same time. Yeah. And the interesting thing about Colorado too, and this is something I learned when I first started covering them was just like last year, they had issues with bringing in transfers, their academic requirements or whatever their transfer um, process wasn't as easy as it is now. And now it feels like if you, you throw a dart towards Colorado, they'll let you in. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I think academics is another way that the NCAA, like you said, could kind of, I don't think they want to stop this portal happenings, but I think they want to feel like they have control over it um, because it does feel like it's the wild, wild west. And it really is because the portal has been alive for since 2018. Um, and every year there's been like a new addition to the portal. And so I think they're learning from, I don't want to say mistakes, but they're learning from instances happening. And Coach Prime, while he has kind of navigated it well, I think his staff, which we could talk about right now, let's do it. Um, I think he's got the perfect staff around him. Sean Lewis, a former head coach who obviously at Kent State, he's not bringing in top transfer classes, but he has the discipline of a head coach. Charles Kelly, a Nick Saban guy, who we all know those Nick Saban guys. He seems like he's a carbon copy of Nick Saban, by the way. 
um, just a small Southern man who wants to talk about football and only cares about football. That's Charles Kelly. That's what I gathered from meeting him. And I think it's the perfect mix of Coach Prime's flashiness and attraction combined with two guys who can kind of help him out around the edges, if you will. No, and, and I think that what people were really waiting for with Colorado, just speaking from afar, was for them to be serious about uh, not just the head coach, right? Anybody can hire a head coach. Anybody mm. can throw five, six, seven million dollars at a head coach. But it is sort of, are, are you serious about building this organization? And that's something that I think that we've seen so far, you know, and I, I think that's a big part of the reason why Coach Prime chose Colorado over some of the other options was because Colorado made a full-throated pitch. And certainly when you look at the state of college football right now, when you look at the state of the Pac-12, when you look at realignment, this was a key moment for Colorado to step up in this moment and try to prove that they're serious about athletics. And I, I think that you look at the staff, I mean, Sean Lewis should already be a head coach. I mean, Sean Lewis maybe should be the head coach at Colorado if, if Coach Prime didn't get this job, right? Like, he did such a good job at Kent State, had them consistently in bowl games. This is not a good program, Kent State. I, I mean, that is a tough place to win. He he brought in a great offense, did a really good job over there, developed quarterbacks at a high level. And I think that you talk about Shador Sanders coming in now into that offense, I think could be a really, really, really good fit. Not even counting, obviously, players like Travis Hunter getting to maybe stretch the field for him as well. And defensively, I mean, like you said, Charles Kelly is a serious defensive assistant. He's been on Saban staff for a long time. He was at Florida State, I believe, before that. I mean, just won at a high level, coached at a high level, uh, had leadership roles in these groups. And now you get to kind of have him instill this culture. And then on top of that, I mean, for all the flash and all that, I mean, there's a reason that cornerbacks want to play at Colorado right now. It's because they've got one of the greatest ever do at coaching the program. And so I think that uh, the on-field coaching, I think, will be really good. Again, it's really going to be about how good a job does the staff do of instilling that culture from the start, of instilling sacrifice. Because, you know, a lot of these players, like you kind of mentioned, are, are guys who are transferring from the SEC, the Big 12, other Pac-12 schools, the Big 10 and uh, and are coming here looking for opportunity and opportunity is not going to be there for everybody and i think that a staff in a lot of ways is judged by what do you do in those moments how do you prove that uh, that you know even when a guy doesn't have opportunity still get him to buy into your program and be ready to step up cuz the reality is I, like i mentioned a lot of teams have a good 1 through 22 mm. the difference between alabama and georgia and ohio state and clemson is what they do with 23 through 85 and how they're able to elevate uh, that part of their roster as well and have that level of depth so that when you deal with injuries, you can just kind of push through it. That's going to be a big question, I think, for Colorado. And uh, and I think it makes them one of the most volatile teams when you look at uh, at 2023 record. Yeah, and that was one of, I think it was last week, Friday, I did my three biggest concerns about Colorado in 2023. And one of them was how they battle through adversity. So whether it was how they react to losing games because they do have to play at Oregon. They do play USC and they, they get all the tough teams in the PAC 12 essentially. Um, but also a lot of these guys, and especially when you transfer from power five programs, SEC programs, you kind of have like a, a mindset that you're better than everyone. And I don't think it's like purposefully. It's just, I came from say Alabama, they have multiple Alabama transfers. I came from Alabama. I came from Florida state. You came from Southern Utah. Why Why do you think you have a chance to share the field with me? And I think these guys will have to learn and kind of mesh together. And I think Coach Prime's culture is much different than past cultures at Colorado, so that helps. But 
it's all good and fine until position battles start being determined. And that's when we determine the real culture and see how bought in players actually are. Um, before we move on for the final topic of the day, I want to appreciate, I want to thank all, I, I do appreciate all you guys. I want to thank all of my everyday listeners um, for tuning in every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Um, my everydayers, I told you guys that Shehan was coming on t- today. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about some top transfers, um, some fears for Colorado. So make sure to tune in. You won't want to miss it. Um, but now, without further ado, We've been alluding to it, kind of. Uh, TCU Colorado, week one. It's going to be on Big Noon Kickoff, which was announced yesterday. I'm on Monday. Colorado's first game in the Coach Prime era. Uh, TCU's first game after getting absolutely obliterated in the national championship game, but they made it there, um, despite all the numbers saying you needed four and five stars. What is going on with the line? Um, What is going on with the, I guess, the level of competition here? Because some people are saying this is going to be close. Um, and then the odds makers, which I, I try not to doubt the odds makers because they're creepily always very close. And it, it makes me uncomfortable how close they are. I don't know why or how, but they're good at what they do. Um, they put the line at 23 and a half. What are your thoughts on this matchup? And if you guys don't know, Shehan is from Texas. And while he is a Baylor guy, he does follow TCU by default. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting, right? First of all, doesn't it just feel inevitable that that Colorado is going to beat the team that was in the national title game last year and just send all of the hype into orbit and then probably lose to Nebraska the next week? Like <laughs> that just feels inevitable, right? But no, but to to be serious, you know, again, TCU lost a lot. They lost a lot from their their team last year. Uh, you know, you mentioned obviously not having the same sort of depth of talent of a Georgia or Alabama, but they beat Michigan in the in obviously the college football playoff. Uh, and then they sent, I believe it was nine players to the NFL draft, including a first round pick and a second round pick. I mean, they had a lot of really good players on that team and some really, really, really good college football players too. So they're going to have to, I think, really rebuild the offensive side of the ball that gives Colorado, I think, a, an opportunity there. I think that TC is going to be very pass heavy uh, in 2023. And when you look at obviously the cornerbacks that potentially Colorado could be lining up with the, uh, with Travis Hunter and Cormani McLean, maybe being in that rotation, that is, I think a big opportunity for them to introduce themselves to college football. Uh, this is going to be the big noon kickoff game on Fox on, on the first week of the season. I think it is like, it's a big game. A lot of people are going to be watching this game, you know, for Colorado. I think that when you look at them, because of that depth issue and because of just those questions, I think they are going to have a chance to have a really good start to the year, at least by the end of the year, we'll kind of have to see where the state of the roster is at just with injuries and, and all that sort of stuff. But uh, week one, they should be feeling good. And, and when you talk about top end talent, I think Colorado has got it. And I think that they've got more prepared maybe at this point than what TCU has. So I, I think that how the game ends up going is it ends up being a really, really close game at halftime, maybe a Colorado lead and TCU kind of pulls away and maybe it's like a 10 point game. 23 and a half is, is a lot for me. I mean, that is, that's a lot. And I, I do think that TCU certainly as a program uh, and as a team is in a different place right now than Colorado, just because you're talking about a first year staff versus one that just went to the, the college football playoff. But I, I do think that Colorado is going to be able to, to cause some issues for them and potentially, you know, again, make some noise in that first week of the coach prime era. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, especially TCU. And I, I only know this much cause I wrote their preview for Athlon. So I dove deep into the horn frogs. They lost their quarterbacks, their best or their quarterback, their best two running backs, their top three receivers. They lost Garrett Riley. Um, they lost their two guys that combined for 60% of their sacks. Like they lost a ton of production and, 
what helps them or what helps Colorado, excuse me, is one, their coaches are, while they're not experienced together, Sean Lewis is a head coach. He knows what it's like to be, um, to prepare coach prime obviously is well aware of what it takes to win games. And Charles Kelly comes from a winning culture. Whereas a lot of these TCU players, um, they were watching their teammates win. They were watching their teammates accomplish all these things from the sidelines. And so it'll be interesting to see how ready or how quickly they could step up and be good. Um, also I'm most interested in the Sean Lewis offense here because we saw Chandler Morris last season, not start off. Well, like he was, that game was a tough watch that week one game, Colorado or TCU at Colorado. I think it was Brendan Lewis at the time was starting for Colorado. That was a brutal college football watch. Everyone that was tweeting about it was like, this game sucks. And it was, it was a rough game. <laughs> no like, comment. No comment. And then <laughs> Morris wasn't like, I think the, the potential was there. I think it was first game jitters, maybe just not being as ready as they thought because he did win the job over um, potential Heisman, almost Heisman winner, Max Duggan. But I think if Colorado could kind of score quickly, because um, obviously their offense is predicated on being fast, if they kind of get TCU up against the wall, I think that's their chance to to pounce, really. And like you said, if they win, I think immediate top 25 um, insertion for Colorado. Like they'll be 25 um, automatically going into that Nebraska game. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of excitement for this game. <laughs> yeah, and, and one storyline for people to watch, as you mentioned, Sean Lewis. Uh, you know, Sean Lewis runs the like Bryles Baylor offense at, at his core. You know, he coached under Dino Babers during his time at Syracuse before getting this head coaching job. And Dino Babers was an assistant on that Baylor staff. Well, coaching at TCU is Kendall Bryles. So I think that these are going to be two defenses who are very familiar with what these other coaching staffs are going to try to do on the offensive side of the ball. I think it's going to be a great chess match. Um, and in Charles Kelly and Joe Gillespie at TCU, I, I think that these are two really, really good defensive coordinators. So I, I think that maybe it might actually even be a lower scoring game than people might expect. I think there might be more mistakes. I think that Chandler Morris could maybe throw a couple of interceptions as well. And, and certainly uh, you know, for that, uh, that offense that really came from Jackson state. I mean, you know, this is their first taste of playing at this level at playing mm -hmm. at the power five level and TCU does return a decent amount on the de defensive side of the ball. So it's going to be a good game. I think, I, I think that it's going to be a back and forth game and it's one that I'm really excited to go watch. Yeah. And you know, I have one advantage for Colorado. That's like super underrated. Um, the fact that there's so many transfers and all this new coaching staff, researching for film is going to be so annoying uh week one like <laughs> like you're gonna to have to watch kent state film and then you're gonna to have to compare uh colin schley to shadur sanders and compare how they add up to each other you're gonna to have to dial into usf and watch jimmy horn and xavier weaver play um compare them to where they're gonna fit i just feel like colorado's unexpectedness of we don't know what the the depth chart is and neither is tcu Every team after TCU will obviously be able to use a TCU game, but Colorado has the element of surprise, and I feel like they should use that to their advantage. No, I think that's a big part of it. Obviously, there was all this drama about not wanting to share tape, uh, especially from this offseason whenever guys were transferring, but I mean, that is, that is, I think, a very legitimate part. I expect them to be very unorthodox, uh, and look, I mean, the reality is, you know, we don't know what a Coach Prime team looks like at this level. Because, you know, you talk about Jackson State, they were able to largely out-talent teams because of obviously the allure of Coach Prime and getting players like they were able to get. This is, I think, going to be 
potentially pretty wacky early in the year whenever they're they're trying stuff out whenever they're trying to be unorthodox because because look nobody's built to roster this way you think that they're just going to sit there and, and play a traditional style of football too i think that they're going to be very unorthodox and uh, especially in this uh, tcu game i think they know how big an opportunity this is especially in that nebraska game obviously going to be the the home opener for them mm-hmm it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I can't wait to kind of see how they do early in the year and if they're able to also build some momentum. Because one other thing that I will mention is we've never really seen how Coach Prime deals with losing. He hasn't lost very much as a head coach. At any level. And so, yeah, <laughs> at, at any level. And so I, I'm definitely excited to see, you know, it's easy to have all the hype over an offseason. I'm really excited to see how he deals with the realities of being a four, five, six, seven win team, and uh, and potentially just kind of showing a different side of his personality as well. I think it's going to be a, a good test for him and one that I know that he's up for. Are we going to hear reports of players getting cut midseason? We'll have to wait and find <laughs> out. Um, Shahan, I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, before we go, two things. One, if you were a betting man, which I don't know, is bet- betting's legal in Texas, right? Uh, no, it's not. It's okay, not. if you were a betting man, because I myself live in California, so it is not legal here. Um, if we were betting men, would you take the um, Colorado Buffaloes to cover week one at that 23 and a half line? Yeah, yeah, I would take them at 23 and a half. I would. Okay. Okay. And then two, tell the people where they could find you, find your work and everything in between. See, I thought you were going to ask me if I would go over or under on the 3.5. And to be honest, that's like a really good line. I <laughs> like, I'm real. That's an over for me. I feel like they could yeah. accidentally win five games. Like, <laughs> their schedule is hard. They're like, they. They get the I, I think teams, but they also get Stanford and Arizona State. So it's like I mean, right. Arizona State Mike is kind of trying to do the same thing that Colorado is doing, too. So it's, it's, it's going to be tough. And, and that non-conference, because, you know, like I said, TCU, Nebraska, then they get Colorado State right, too, which is going to be an interesting they're gonna be game. Chippy. They're going to be frisky. So that that's like the concern is that there's like one. I mean, one guaranteed win on the schedule with Stanford, probably. But like then, you know, like eight or nine 50 50 games that could go yeah. either direction so it's gonna be a lot of fun i i think that i would slightly lean the over on that but it's no, like it's tough it's it's tough we love the over uh, but yeah you can find me on twitter at shahan j raja read all my work at cbssports.com make sure to check out my podcast as well the college football survivor show where we talk about uh, the college football playoff every single week and and how it impacts college football it's a lot of fun uh, today we actually just recorded before this actually and i we did an episode where we basically picked uh, seven players each who have a chance to maybe impact the 12 team playoffs so we're talking mm. 22 23 24 kids so make sure and listen to that as well but uh yeah, but yeah and you can follow my work at cbsports.com go check them out um I bet you after week one, they will be talking about Colorado's impact on the playoff um, because I'm sure Colorado, like you said, there's just, there's just no way they don't win that game and like just send the world into a frenzy <laughs> just for, for gig. Um, but I, appreciate I mean, I, I live 20 minutes from, from, uh, from Fort Worth. I mean, maybe I need to go check that one out. That one might be a lot do. of fun. <laughs> it's going to be sold out. I bet you and it's on big noon. So go check it out. Go, go take a quick little field trip. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. This has been Locked on Bus. I'm Kevin Borba. Go follow me over at Athlon where I'm covering Colorado every single day with transfer portal shenanigans, um, predictions, and just overall analysis of the program. I appreciate you guys, and I will see you guys tomorrow.